0: Anyway, let's get into this message this one, I want to encourage you that as we go through this series, if we approach it in the wrong way, Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, come to me all who are weary, do, do what I tell you to do and you'll find that you're refreshed because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we treat all these things that we're talking about in our spiritual rhythm series as things we have to add into our lives, it won't bring you, peace of mind. It'll bring you more weariness and more burden and more heartache because the whole idea behind spiritual rhythms is not that we, we bring the spiritual rhythms into our life, but actually that we set our, spiritual, our life by our spiritual rhythms and everything else bends to the spiritual rhythm of our life, our career, parenting, Husband and wife, that all bends to the spiritual rhythm of our life. What we tend to do is we have our life and then we try to get the spiritual rhythms to bend to our lives and that never works. And so if you're like that, then all of this is just going to feel like more. A Sabbath, we're going to take a Sabbath. It just feels like more burden, more wearisome because what we're trying to do is we're trying to add it into our lives that we've already set. And what Jesus is saying, if you live my way, it's light and it's easy. Are you with me? Yeah. So don't try and add these in, try and make them part of your world. I can remember when I was growing up in the 90s, um, we had this thing um, called boredom. <laughs> you know, like when you literally had nothing to do. How many, how many people had children in the 90s who'd say to you, I'm bored, There's nothing to do. I mean, I can remember a time when when TV didn't start until midday. Don't leave me hanging, all you older ones. (laughs) There's no such thing as the internet. No such thing as Wi-Fi. So when you stood in a line, that's literally what you did. You stood in a line and you just waited or you sat at the bus stop and you just waited. There's this thing called boredom. And, and a lot of you don't understand that because you, you, have, um, you have no idea because you're digital natives and, and you have sitting in your pocket instant entertainment um, constantly and so you've got no idea what boredom is. You've never heard about it before. A survey by Microsoft found that 77% of people, when they have nothing to do, reach for their phones. You're like, man, you're still bashing on phones. Yes, I am, because they're a major distraction to us being able to do our spiritual rhythms in life. You see, the problem with the new normal of digital distractions is that it is robbing us of our ability to be present in the moment. This distraction robs us of being present, present to God, present to other people, present to all the good, beautiful, and true things in our world, even present to our own souls, we are so distracted. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the voice that we actually need to hear the most. And so my question is, how do you have any kind of spiritual life if we can't pay attention for longer than about five seconds because we have to pick up a phone to be distracted when we're standing in line. How do you pray? How do you read the scriptures? How do you sit under teaching in church? Rest well on your Sabbath when you're reaching for a dopamine dispenser that is your phone and that's what it does. All the lights, all this, it's a dopamine fixer. It just releases a bit of dopamine in your brain and makes you feel good. It's a false thing that it does. A great theologian called Ronald Rosenheiser said this, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. We are so distracted that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names, but I know there are some you know, Gen Zers that I know that have this ability to be on their phones, watch TV and have a conversation all at the same time. We're so distracted a lot of the time. And so is there a practice that Jesus has that will help us with this? How many people want to know a practice that Jesus has that will help us with all of this? Just five of you, the rest of you want to live in spiritual oblivion. That's cool. That's all right. That's your choice. There is a practice that Jesus did that helps us in all of this, and it's a practice called silence and solitude. How many people think that sounds good? Once again, five of you. How many people think that silence and solitude sounds like something that you would want to put into your world? A little bit more. That's good. Well, I want to share some stuff out of Scripture for you, and we're going to start at Mark chapter 4, and it's just after Jesus has gone through water baptism, and the Bible says this, that Jesus was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement, isn't it? And the tempter came to him. The very first thing that Jesus did after being baptized was to head straight into the desert. The very first thing he was led by the Spirit into the desert. This is the very first thing he did. Got water baptized into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. The word there for desert in the Greek is Iremos. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sure Evie can correct me later if I didn't. Iremos. It means this it means desert, deserted place, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, quiet place, wilderness. It means all of those things. And there are lots of stories in the Gospels of Jesus' relationship with Etymos, where he constantly got away on his own into a quiet place or a solitary place. I think in the book of Luke, it's over nine times that Jesus got himself away on his own. What I think is interesting is at the start of Jesus' ministry, the first thing he did was go to Edomos. The first thing he did was to go to silence and solitude, why in the wilderness? Why alone? And why 40 days of fasting? Why, why all, that, all that time while he's hungry? Well, see, we see the wilderness as a place of weakness, but it's actually our place of strength. It's actually our place of strength because Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness because it was there and only there that Jesus came to the height of his spiritual powers through silence and solitude and he was, after a month and a half of prayer and fasting, in his quiet place, in his silent place, in his solitary place, that he had the capacity to take on the devil himself and walk away unscathed. There's a power that comes out of the silence and solitude that gives you the ability to overcome every single work of the enemy. And that's why we see with Jesus, over and over and over and over again, all through the Gospels, Jesus coming back to Eramos, coming back to his place of solitude, silence and solitude. Are you with me today? In fact, after this occasion, Jesus steps in, and Mark 1 shares about it, and Jesus steps in to a to a pretty full day of ministry. He comes out of the desert, he defeats the enemy, and then he walks into his very first day of ministry and it's pretty full on. He preaches, he calls his first disciples, he's casting out demons, he's healing the sick. It's a, it's a big day of ministry, right? I don't know about you, but I would be exhausted. I get tired just preaching, let alone doing all of that stuff in the process. And it says after that big first day in Mark one thirty-five, it says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, Edomos is the word there, where he prayed. I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I would have one, slept in, two, possibly gone for a walk and had brunch with my, my boys, Yep, just taking it easy. It was a big day yesterday, just going to take it easy today. A little late start, bit of brunch with the lads, just going to cruise on into it, but not Jesus. Jesus, after he'd been in the quiet place for 40 days, remember, he has one day of ministry and immediately returns to his quiet place. 40 days in the desert, defeats the devil, has a day of ministry, and the very first thing he does the next day is go back to his quiet place, his place of silence and solitude. Why? Because this was the rhythm of Jesus' life. He goes on to say in verse 36, the disciples wake up, and it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. They had no idea where he was because they had been sleeping in. And they found him. they exclaimed, everybody is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see, Simon rocks up and says, Jesus, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. Let's get back to where we were because it went so well yesterday. Let's crank back into that today. Isn't that how we think sometimes? Whoa, that was like revival yesterday. Let's repeat that today. Let's go back to what it was like yesterday, and Jesus is like, no, 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 we're not going to go back to that, Peter, we're going to go on to the next village, and we're going to preach the gospel there, because that's what God has called me to. You see, I think that what happened in that moment is Jesus came out of his etymus that morning with a clarity about his identity and his calling, and from this place, he knew exactly what to say yes to and what to say no to. goes on in the story and it says in verse 30 of Mark 6, it says, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Have you ever felt like that? Like, as a, as a, a mum of young children, only every day. Yes? Can I get an amen from the mums? Thanks for supporting me. I really appreciate it. I'm supporting you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how often, um, it wasn't that often that Trin would leave me with the kids, and that's not called babysitting, that's called parenting, guys, just in case you didn't realize. You don't babysit your own kids, you parent them, and, and, and she would maybe go out with her sisters or do something like that, and, and I, I can remember, like, she'd get home and she goes, what did you have for lunch? Oh, I haven't had lunch. We've never had time for lunch, but between this and that, and pooing nappies, and, this, you know, like, it's, it's, a, it's a day, right? It's a, it's a big day. You ever feel like you're just over busy, overtired? The disciples here were over busy, overtired. It's been some big stuff that has been going on here. And so in their overtiredness and their over busyness, Jesus says to them in verse 31, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I think it's interesting that Jesus is saying here, you don't need a night out. You don't need to go and hang out with a bunch of friends and just unwind. What you need in the middle of your craziness is you need time with me. But to do that, we've got to get away from all of the noise and all of the people. Come away with me to a quiet place. In the middle of our craziness, it's not a night out we need. It's time with him and our silence and solitude. Verse 32, it says that they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary and etymous place. It sounds nice, doesn't it? I think that's all of our wishes, isn't it? It's all of our dreams that we'll be able to get away to this quiet, peaceful place. Just you and Jesus. No children going, mama, mama. Mama, 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 you know, I, I I don't know what it is about children, but you can't even go to the toilet without them thinking that you want them in there. You know, it's like family meeting in the toilet. You know, it's like, Yay, I get to go and watch Mum or Dad pee and poop. Woohoo It's like, what is wrong with children? Yes. You don't want to be in there when dad's in there for a long period of time. It peels the paint off the walls. Imagine what it does to your lungs, children. Stay away. Outside. It sounds nice, doesn't it, to get away in the quiet, just you and Jesus. Story goes on in verse 33 of Mark 6, and it says, But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. Isn't that what happens a lot of the time for us? There are times where we really, really know that we need time alone with Jesus, but but life happens. People happen. Children happen. Stuff happens. And you, you can get, have all the plans in the world that you want to have to get that time away with God, to have that time in the morning with him. and, and But then all of a sudden, there's a family crisis or there's a work crisis or, there's some, or, or somebody's, some teenager has left their, their lights on in their car and now they have a flat battery and you've got to get out there and jumpstart it. And, and all these things kind of happen that stops you from having that time that you wanted with God. Have you ever felt like, no matter how m- much you try to have that time of silence and t- solitude with God, it just it's like all the world is working against you, including your children? Sometimes you just want to point at them and go, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> I don't do that. You just can't get any rest, right? And so after Jesus has done all this and instead of getting away to the solitary place with his disciples and having that time of silence and solitude together where they can be refreshed, he ends up with his heart full of compassion for people and he ends up ministering to them. And instead of having this time of silence and solitude, they've just had another full day of ministry. And in verse 45, it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. Oh, how spiritual is Jesus? The disciples get into the boat to go to the other side, he goes up into the hill and prays all night. How spiritual is he? We look at that and we think that that's what that's all about. And yes, Jesus is incredibly spiritual, but the reason why he went up into the hills to pray is because it's the only time he could get alone with God. He tried earlier in the day, but life happened. And so now at night... When everybody else has gone home and everybody else is going to sleep, Jesus decides, this is my moment. This is my opportunity to get away with God. This is the only time that he could be alone with him that day. And he understood that time alone with the Father was more important than sleep. There's a rejuvenation that happens in silence and solitude that you can't get any other way. And the Bible says that Jesus often withdrew. He frequently got away from it all. He made a point of sneaking off to pray on a regular basis. And in fact, if you read the Gospels, the busier Jesus got and the more famous he became, the more he withdrew to the quiet place to pray. The busier he got, the more famous he became, led to the more times he withdrew. I find that really challenging for me because I find that the busier I get, the more sleep I want, the more vegging out on the couch I want, the more going out and having a meal with Trinity and not having to cook I want, the more of those things I want. But Jesus says, oh, actually, what you need is time with me. That's more important. That's where you'll get refreshed. You see, in seasons of busyness, we need more time in the quiet place, not less time in the quiet place. And the world conspires, the culture of our time, and the enemy conspires against us, that in our time of busyness, that it, it just does things. The enemy works things in some way to rob you of that time you need. And here's the thing. If Jesus needed silence and solitude and he was the son of God, you probably need it too. Felt like God say that to me this week. Ray, you need to create more time for silence and solitude. I said, "Yes, yes, God, but I've just got so much on my plate. And then I, he said to me, If I need it, you need it too, unless you are better than me. That's how he talks to me sometimes, not to you, just to me. If he needed it, then I need it. I need the silence and solitude. And as annoyed as I was that my flight out of Gisborne wasn't until 8.30 on Thursday night, it was an absolute blessing from God because I got a day in Gisborne, where I read my word, I went for a walk, I had a time of worship and prayer to work on my... I just had all this time of silence and solitude. And it was the most refreshing thing I could have done for my soul. And you're like, well, that's okay for you, Craig, because you get paid to do that. And it's true, I do. But you also need silence and solitude. And the problem is, is there's actually two dimensions to silence. There's the external silence, and then there's the internal silence. The external silence is pretty easy to understand, isn't it? If you've ever woken up in the morning when you've had little kids before they wake up, and you wake up in the morning and the house is quiet, you can hear the birds singing, there's no demands being placed upon you, the house is tidy because they have it the monsters haven't awoken yet. And you're in that moment and you're like, oh, this is so nice. Or when you finally get them to bed at night and it's just like whew, silence. How many people know what I'm talking about? It's just quiet. We, we know what it means to silence the external noise around us. St. John Climacus, a 6th century monk, Syrian monk who spent most of his t- lifetime praying on Mount Sinai. That's what, he, that's what he did with his life. He just prayed on Mount Sinai. He said this, he said, the friend of silence draws near to God. Huh. The friend of silence draws near to God. I, I love that. I think it's awesome. C.S. Lewis wrote a a novel called *The Screw Tape Letter*. It's, it's a famous piece of work. I encourage you to find it and read it if you can. But in this book, his he, screw tape was was the head demon in hell. and howl, and it's a book all about stuff like that. But it's not it's not true. So when I tell you what he writes in it, it's not true. I want you to take the principle of what he says in here. And in, in the screw tape letter, he writes about the demons rallying against silence because they saw it as a danger to their cause. And the senior demon, Screwtape, in the book calls the devil's round a kingdom of noise and claims we make the whole universe a noise in the end. I think it's so true that the enemy's greatest work right now in our world is to create so much noise in our world that we don't have time for silence and solitude because he understands, as we've already seen from Jesus. Yes, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but the Bible says that he came out in the power of the Spirit out of the wilderness. Why? Because something takes place supernaturally in silence and solitude where we not only start to walk in the power of the Spirit, but we also understand our identity and our calling and we know what to say yes to and we know what to say no to and the enemy understands that if he can keep the silence away from you, you never have the opportunity to hear the voice of God speak to you. It's easy to blame the devil for all the noise in our lives but could it be that you're using external noise to drown out your internal noise? That you have filled your life with so much stuff so that you can ignore what's, what you need to deal with inwardly? I know what we'll do. We'll get our kids into six different sports every week so we're so busy with our kids' sports because you know, we put kids in sports because it's good for them But I reckon there are some adults that put their kids into sport because it's good for them, because they can get so busy with everything external that it means that they can ignore and suppress stuff that they need to deal with internally. Are you still loving me? You see, internal noise is that inner mental chatter that never shuts up. You're not good enough for this, you can't do that, you're a bad parent you're a horrible husband, you're never going to have enough money, you can't do this for God because of this and this and this in your past. The running commentary in our heads on everything, the worry that is chipping away at our joy, and the peace with a hammer of what ifs, what if this happens, what if that happens. And so we start obsessing over hypothetical scenarios. What if this happens? You can't plan for something that actually hasn't happened, nor do you know it's going to happen. I can remember one morning, I'm gonna drop Trinity in it right now, I can remember one morning, she was really grumpy with me one morning, and I said, what's your problem? I had a dream last night that you cheated on me. It was a dream! (laughs) I know it was a dream, but I'm just, have you ever had that kind of scenario? Hypothetical scenarios, you're role-playing your future. And if he does this and I'll do this, and catastrophizing everything. The littlest thing becomes a giant mountain, dreaming of the perfect life, which in turn poisons your actual life. Because when you dream about your life, it's always dreamed in perfection because your dreams never account for life. And so we spend so much time going, well, this is what I wanted in a man and I don't have that in a man. That's because you had the perfect picture in your head and that's impossible. Well, I just, I, when I got married, I pictured that she would be like this. She would do cooking and cleaning and, and, and all this sort of stuff. Oh, so what you wanted was a maid, not a wife. Oh, what you wanted was a mum, not a wife. I <laughs> know, oh, it's, it's just, it's, it's awkward today, isn't it? Yeah, but he should be doing all this and this. Oh, so what you wanted was your dad, not a husband. Sorry, I'll get off that for you. You see, we dream perfectly, and then when it doesn't happen that way, it actually poisons our actual life because it hasn't worked out how I dreamed it would. I remember having this conversation with somebody who was still single at 43, a family member, well, this is, this is what I want in a guy. And it basically described her father, who was a great guy, and who wouldn't want a husband who was like that? But I had to point out to her, when your dad and your mum got married, he wasn't like that. He had the potential to be like that, but he wasn't like that. Because I've had conversations with your mum, and I'm telling you, he was not like that. So instead of looking for all these qualities in somebody, here's for all the single ladies out there. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. Um, Just to help you out, and guys, don't look for these characteristics necessarily already formed in someone, but look for someone who has the potential to be that person. Because what happens when you come together in marriage is you play off one another and you complete one another and you help each other become that person. Anyway, let's get off marriage for a bit. You see, the external noise is easy to quiet, yeah? It's called jump in the car, run away from your house, (laughs) and turn your phone off, all right? But the internal noise is a completely different animal, isn't it? It's a wild beast in desperate need of taming, and there's no off switch. It's not so bad for us guys, because we can literally think about nothing but women's brains are like, they never stop, yes? The silence that Jesus is talking about, the silence that we need that the scripture talks about is a kind when you can silence both. And the external silence is easy to deal with. It's the internal silence that we struggle with. Solitude is pretty easy and pretty straightforward to understand. It's when you're alone with God and your own soul, and nobody else is around. Let me just say this. Solitude is not isolation. I reckon there was another tool of the enemy during COVID was telling everyone, isolate yourself, isolate yourself, isolate yourself. No, no, you needed to Separate yourself from people, but don't isolate yourself. Solitude is not isolation. Let me, let me bring it. It's going to come up on the screen behind you. What's the difference between solitude and isolation? Solitude is where you are encouraged because you've got time of God and God's encouraging and building into you. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude opens us up to God Isolation is painting the target on our back for the tempter because he sees that you're isolated, so he'll go after you. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and water your soul, to let it grow into health and maturity, time to feed and water it. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect solitude. Solitude is anything but loneliness, loneliness, Hear me when I say this this morning, loneliness is inner emptiness, solitude is inner fulfillment. Solitude, when I come away with God, leads to inner fulfillment. Loneliness leads to inner emptiness. It's not the same. And sometimes we can feel really separated from God and we can come along to church and Hoping that we get a God hit, you know, get our God fix. Hopefully, there'll be something in the worship, or something in the message, or somebody will pray for me, and I'll get my God fix for the week, or my God hit for the moment. A God hit or a God fix is that fleeting moment of connection with God, where we feel like we're connecting with Him. But this feeling that we have, where we're looking for this connection with Him, is more about our absence than it is about His absence. And it's more about our distraction than it is his disconnection. The solution to all of this is fairly simple. It's you need to create an environment for attention and connection to God. And there's no better way to do that than through silence and solitude. Well, you don't understand, Craig, I, I don't have a lot of time up my sleeve. yes. Yeah, so get up earlier. But I like my sleep. Yep, I love that you like your sleep. I like sleep too. I don't seem to be getting a lot of it these days. I don't know what happened as soon as I turned 50. It's like my body said, yeah, you only need four to, four to six hours a night. You don't need eight-hour sleeps anymore. It's demonic. <laughs> but as Jesus pointed out, An hour of silence and solitude with him is better for you than another hour of sleep. If you're needing to connect with God tomorrow, you won't do it in an extra hour of sleep. You will do it in an hour of silence and solitude. If you don't set aside time to be alone with God, your relationship will wither on the vine. It will die. It will wither. Your relationship with God is no different than any other relationship. It takes time alone together. When we don't practice this spiritual rhythm, there are consequences that we reap. The first thing is, it'll come up on the screen behind us, but the first thing is we will feel distance from God. And because we feel distant from God, we live our spirituality off others, or podcasts, or books, or devotionals, or little two-minute hits on Reels or TikToks. We lose sight of our identity and calling, and not only do we become distant from God, we become distant from ourselves we don't know who we are anymore. We feel an undercurrent of anxiety that rarely ever goes away. We are constantly exhausted, living with a low-grade energy, and we feel like we just lag through our days. We turn to our escape of choice. We run out of energy to do what's actually life-giving for our souls, like prayer, and we turn to a cheap fix like another glass of wine, online streaming, social media, or porn, etc., etc., etc. We become easy prey for the tempter, furthering our sense of distanceness from God. And then emotional unhealth sets in. We start living from the surface of our lives, not the core. We become reactionary and the smallest thing sets us off, and it doesn't take much, and we lose our tempers, and we bark at everybody, and we become defensive, and we end up sulking. These are the symptoms of a life without silence and solitude. But the cool thing is there are consequences. There's an alternative when we live with silence and solitude come up on the screen behind me again. We find our quiet place. We find that place where we can come away and just be with him and nobody else. We take our time. Because here's the thing. It takes time to decompress from all the noise, the traffic, the stress, the non-stop stimulation of a modern society. Sometimes all we need is minutes. And sometimes what we need is a couple of hours. We slow down. We start to breathe and come back to the present. I had a really interesting thing the other night. I'm lying in bed, and all of a sudden I realize I'm breathing really, really fast. <sighs> and I'm like, what the heck is that? And I said I had to physically stop myself and slow my breathing down so that I could relax. We start to feel again, usually lousy emotions first and then the good ones. And that's sometimes why we stop, because sometimes you feel worse before you feel better. We face the good, bad and the ugly of our own hearts, (coughs) it's all exposed for God to heal when we get alone with him in the silence and the solitude so that rather than leaking out on those we love the most, it exposes that stuff in a safe place of the Father's love and voice. We hear his voice cut through all the other voices which all slowly fade into a deafening roar of silence. We hear God speak his love over us we become a place of freedom. Our failures slowly lose their power over us. We get free from out from under the, under the tyranny of other people's opinions. In silence and solitude, our souls finally come home. Maddie, if you can jump on the keys, it would be great. In silence and solitude, our souls finally come home. This is what Jesus meant in John 15, verse 4, when he said this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is what silence and solitude is. It's about abiding in Him and Him in you. It's getting away with Him. And you might be here today and going, wow, this sounds really, really great, Craig, but my life is so incredibly busy. And once again, you're looking at this as something to add to your life instead of looking at this as something that's going to be my life and everything else is going to have to fit around it. Are you hearing me? This is not add twos. This is how you need to live your life, and everything else needs to build around it. So, this ain't going to work if you still have your phone turned on while you're having half an hour of silence and solitude. This isn't going to work if you don't teach your kids when my door is shut, don't knock, don't come in, leave me alone. And if they do knock and you answer them, then you're not going to have your silence and solitude. It's not going to work if you're working ridiculous hours. Some of you, are, it's, kind of, it's kind of stepping out here a little bit for some of you, but some of you, if you're working 60, 70 hours a week, it's time to get a new job. Oh, but, but, but I need to keep that job because I've got a mortgage. Well, then maybe you need to sell your house and downgrade so you don't have such a huge mortgage, so you don't have to work 60, 70 hours a week. What's important to us? The house we live in or walking walking in spiritual rhythm of God? Because when you die, the house is wood, hail and stubble. That's what the Bible says, everything will be tested by fire and what is isn't important will be wood, hail and stubble and what is left will be precious stones. What are precious stones? relationships with one another and relationships with your father that's why the scariest scripture in the bible is when they said but lord we prophesied in your name we healed the sick in your name we cast out demons in your name and he says get away from me i never knew you Silence and solitude is not something that we can ignore. Silence and solitude needs to become a spiritual rhythm in our lives because as we abide in Him, He abides in us. I encourage you to take a little time each day to be alone in the quiet with yourself and God and practice the spiritual rhythm. And it may not start off brilliantly straight away, but don't quit. You may only be able to find fifteen minutes in a day then do the fifteen minutes. I used to do it quite often when I was before I was working at the churches as I would take my lunch i 'd hop in the car and i 'd drive somewhere where it was quiet and silent and i 'd eat my lunch and i 'd just put the seat back in the car and I would just be silent. A pastor I know and I know that that he there were some bad, bad things that came out after he passed away, a man called Pastor Frank Houston. and Yep, he didn't do some good things, but there's one thing I learned from him that was a good thing. He used to have in his office what he called the thinking chair. And if he was ever sitting in his chair, the thinking chair, all his staff knew not to interrupt him, not to send phone calls through to him. Sometimes he'd sit in that chair for 15 minutes Sometimes he'd sit in that chair for hours on end and God would speak to him. Silence and solitude. So here's to tomorrow morning. I'm talking to myself now. Here's to tomorrow morning. 5 a.m., coffee, couch by the window, time to breathe, a psalm, a proverb, a story from the Gospels, hearing God's voice, pouring out my own, or just sitting, resting, listening for a little word about my destiny, maybe process my anger over something that's bothering me, maybe feel my mind settling and come to rest, or maybe it doesn't, but that's okay, because I'll be back tomorrow, same time same place because this is a practice I'm starting my day in the quiet place how about you how about you I need silence and solitude, and so do you because Jesus did too why don't you all close your eyes just for a moment And I'd love to pray for some people this morning. Because you're hearing what I'm saying, but you're also going, my my life is so crazy, crazy busy. And I understand that. And we even saw that in Jesus' story, where they tried to get away, but they couldn't get away because of all the noise and all the people and all the stuff. Did Jesus turn around and turn all those people away? No. He had compassion and he ministered to them. So I get it. I understand it. But I think if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of us can actually find time for this. Maybe it's not in the morning for you, maybe it's in the evening, once everybody's gone to bed. Maybe like me, it was in your lunchtime at work where you just got to jump in the car and disappear for half an hour. I I don't know what it is for you, but you need to find it. And you need to probably make some changes in your world to allow you to do it. Because it's in the silence and the solitude that we hear His voice, that we find out what our identity and our calling is, that we get empowered by the Spirit of God to take on the enemy. It's in that that we hear Him speak to us and heal us of our anger and our hurts. It's in that that we find repentance, we find grace and mercy and love and the goodness of God. And you might be here today and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to do it. I don't know how this is going to look, but I I really want to do it. I hear what you're saying, and I really want to do it. Would would Craig, would you pray for me that somehow, somewhere, some way, I'll be able to find a way to eke out space in my day for silence and solitude with Jesus? I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to. My heart desire is that I want to. You know, in the kingdom of God, that's a great starting place because our heart posture is that we want to. And I think when we have a heart posture of wanting to, it gives God something to work with. And I believe that he can work with you this week to help you find that time of silence and solitude with him that you do regularly, every day, same time, same place, same channel. If that's you here today and you're like, Craig, would you pray for me that God would help me make this rhythm part of my world. Then why don't you lift your hand up right now across this place, and I'm going to pray for you that God would help you. Is anybody else this morning? Anybody else? It's that time of silence and solitude. Your eromos, your space, your place where you and God connect. Father, you see every single hand that is lifted in this place right now whose hearts are, I want to have that time with you, God, but their lives may be incredibly crazy. God, I pray that you'd speak to them now and you'd speak to them this afternoon and you'd speak to them this evening and again tomorrow and that you would give them uh, an idea or a vision or an opportunity where they can develop this into a spiritual rhythm in their life where every day they've got a time of silence and solitude view that restores them and refreshes them. God, I pray that in our tiredness and our exhaustedness, that we don't escape to a false fix, but would escape into your presence of silence and solitude like Jesus did, because that's where we find the refreshing, that's where we find the power, that's where we find our identity, that's where we find our calling, so that we know what to do and what not to do. And so God, I pray that as they step out of their tiredness and spend this time with you this week, that you would speak so clearly to them that they're walking in that room feeling a thousand feet taller and ready to take on anything that's in front of them because you bless the silence and the solitude. So, Father, help them. Help them. Help them find that space. Help them find that space in their world right now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I know it's hard. I really do, trust me. I have great intentions in my own life and not very often do they come to pass, but I always try to find something. Some days it might only be 15 minutes, other days it can be longer, but I try to find something in every day where I've got that silence and that solitude where I'm away from the external noise, but I'm calming the inner noise you know what? The external noise isn't really our problem. It's that internal chatter that constantly goes on. And we need to silence that because you know, when Elijah was away with God and basically having an emotional health crisis, there's an earthquake and there's a fire and it was also God wasn't in any of that. What was he in? The still, small voice. You see, the noise will deafen you to the still small voice. It's not that God isn't speaking it's that the noise of our world is deafening we need to silence it so we can hear him because it's still and it's small because he's close in proximity to you and I and I want to encourage you that as you step out into this don't quit, don't give up trust God, he'll visit you in it and you'll find a freedom and a refreshing that you've never found any other way God bless you we love you can't wait for next week as we talk about simplicity how many people would like their life to be a lot more simple you know the Bible speaks to that and so we've got that next week but why don't you stick around if you're new fill out the Live Connected card um, and, and we'll flick you an email but why don't you Stick around, have coffee, get to know someone. Have an incredible week. Find in your space of silence and solitude. God bless you, and have a great week.